Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Rod Pepping. We are in a series where we are walking through the book of Nehemiah. So if you'd like to grab your Bible and open it up to the book of Nehemiah, we will be in Nehemiah 4 today as as we kind of get moving through that. Let me start with this prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You can join along in any prayers. Yeah. So think about that prayer. As a sober alcoholic of 24 years, I have heard that prayer at the beginning. This is a lively crowd. I like this. Okay. Uh, I have heard that prayer at the beginning or an end of a meeting through thousands of, of meetings that I've been to over the years. Continue to hear that prayer. I was thinking about that prayer this week is getting ready for this message. Why is this prayer so powerful? It's because the human condition is this. We like control. We want to feel like we're in control. When we're in difficult times, we want to control people, places, things, emotions. We want all of that control. But the truth of the matter is this. When we read that prayer, we realize we have no control over anything. You can't control other people. You can't control situations. You can't control how other people think about you, what happens. The only thing that we can control is the way we react and respond inside of situations. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is how do we control what are our, uh, what are our emotions and what, uh, what happens to us when we are in the middle of opposition. Now, I am going to read to you the whole serenity prayer because many people know this stanza, but many people don't know that this is a part of a much larger prayer. So the prayer goes like this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world, as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life, and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. I think it's, we gotta clap and cry. Just keep clapping, I love it. So, it's just, this is a part, I think, of where we want to begin, uh, begin and where we will end up today, is this idea of, of how do we respond when difficult times happen? 
So we are in the middle of the book of Nehemiah. Let me, let me catch you up on the story of Nehemiah in case you've missed any part of it, uh, and I'll get you to where we are today. So the book of Nehemiah is about a gentleman named Nehemiah, and he was uh, the cupbearer to the king. So we know that he was a, a great confidant of the king, and he hears that Jerusalem is in trouble. The people that are living in Jerusalem are not doing well, which makes sense because the walls are down. And back in this time, if the walls are down, you had no security, no protection. People could come through and take what they wanted and do what they wanted. And so these people weren't doing well. And Nehemiah heard about it and God moved his heart. So he he spent months in prayer and he was praying, God, give me an audience with the king. Let me, let me do this. I feel like, man, this is, you're in this. And so the king one day says, Nehemiah, you look sad. What's going on? So Nehemiah says, well, king, you know how you said nobody would ever rebuild the city of Jerusalem, especially while you were king? I think that was a bad decision. W- would you mind uh, rebuilding the city? In fact, would you mind... Uh, financing all of the construction project to rebuild it. And by the way, I'm going to need like a year of paid leave so I can go and rebuild the wall and get this city rebuilt. And while you're at it, would you, uh, would you afford me the cost of, of going there? And could, could you pay for me to get there and, and send some of your army there to protect me? It's going to be a dangerous place. And the, the king says, sure, sounds great. Now, he views that as, okay, God has moved. In fact, that is a miracle, right? That, that he would even change an edict and that he would do that. So Nehemiah gets to the city and, and he rests and he looks around and he talks to people and he starts rebuilding the wall. The minute he starts rebuilding the wall, we read this. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. We read that and don't really make sense, but they're talking trash, right? They're, they're literally saying, I mean, if a cat walked on this thing, you, you think that this wall is going to keep out an army? What are you, are you kidding me? Uh, you guys are never going to get this done. In fact, you should just give up now. You should just walk away. You see, the problem is this. Opposition comes to us all. Opposition did, just didn't come to Nehemiah opposition comes to us all. We have, for whatever reason, it's, it's not biblical, but we have this great idea that can creep into our faith that says, me and Jesus and we're fine. Me and Jesus is gonna be rosy spa treatments. It's just gonna be awesome. When I say yes to Jesus, my life gets better. Now, if you read the Bible, the one thing that you're insured of is this. Suffering is coming your way. Pain. Jesus says division will come to a family who believes in him. So uh, there is all of this stuff in the Bible that we read. The Bible is very clear. Suffering, pain, all of that is coming our way. Somehow we have divorced ourselves with that many times and we think as long as I say yes to Jesus, things are gonna be fine. But the truth is this. When we walk in God's will, when we are following Jesus, the one true thing is opposition 
comes to us all. There is a battle going on there and we need church to understand a theology of battle. I was on a mission trip many, many years ago in Mexico. We were doing kind of a house building thing that many people do in Mexico. Um, and uh, one of the things you do in Mexico is we build this house and then the family of the, the house would, would feed us a meal. And this meal would cost about three weeks of their salary to put together. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't inexpensive for them. So one of the things we told all of our builders as we went out, number one most important thing is you eat what is put in front of you because we don't want to offend them. I mean, it's, it's taken them a lot of money and time to put this thing together and they're trying to show their gratitude. So the one thing I always prayed for was nothing white because white meant mayonnaise and things that couldn't be refrigerated in Mexico. So we're out on this build site one day and out comes trays of meat and all this stuff beautiful with mayonnaise and white stuff all over the top of it. So I start praying, okay, God, you're going to be with me through this. We'll get through this together. And the guy next to me says, dude, I don't know what you're so worried about. Like, we're on a mission from God. Jesus is going to protect us. Like, we'll never get sick. I mean, we're doing God's will. And I said, you have got some really bad theology because I never read in the Bible, I will keep you from the stomach flu. That's just not in the Bible. God promises to be with us but sometimes he promises to be with us through the suffering. Now, we didn't get sick. Hallelujah, things were great. But, but I think that it's just that idea that creeps into it. And, and here's, what the, here's what Paul says in the Bible about the spiritual battle that's going on around us. He says this, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the, all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I, I just think that that is so important that we remember you and I are in the middle of a spiritual battle, and it is raging all times around us. A, a few years ago, we had a... a a church that wanted to come and picket us because they didn't like Salem Alliance. Uh, they don't like anybody, which is okay. And so we knew they were coming and we were in a staff meeting and Steve Fowler said something that has resonated through my soul time and time again. He said, I want you to remember this. People are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. That is so hard to remember. When I'm in the middle of opposition, it's hard to remember that there's a spiritual battle going on because I'm face to face with people who are opposing me or, or companies or, or different viewpoints or religions or whatever it is. We, we get kind of entangled in this idea that they're the enemy and I'm fighting them. But the truth is the enemy is the enemy. I came across this great passage in the book of Daniel this week. In fact, I had to go back and look at it twice to make sure it had always been there. Have you ever been there where you're reading through the Bible and you go, when did this get put in the Bible? <laughs> like, this has got to be brand new. I would never read this before. But here's what it says in Daniel. It's, it's an angel coming to Daniel. And the angel says this. Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. 
Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. How many times in, in our life are we in the middle of opposition and we pray and nothing happens right away and we start to think, God, are you even there? Have you heard my prayers? You may be like me where, where you think, okay, I prayed and if God wants it to happen, it's gonna happen instantly. But look at what happened in Daniel. God said, I hear his prayers, I'm gonna send an angel. And that angel was embattled for 21 days until Michael came to help him and, and then it moves forward. So I just, a lot of times I believe that, that there is opposition around us and we like to think that person is against me, this company is against me, this is against me, that's against me. But we don't always see that there is a bigger battle going on. And yet we think that we are fighting other religions or other, or other worldviews. Nick Ripkin, who was a, uh, a missionary in Somalia in the 90s, which probably not a place that was more devastated in the 90s than Somalia, he wrote this in his book, The Insanity of God. The greatest enemy of our faith isn't communism, Buddhism, Hinduism, or atheism, or even Islam. Our greatest enemy is lostness. Lostness is the terrible enemy that Jesus commissioned his followers to vanquish with the battle strategies that spelled out for them in Matthew 28. Just remember that there is a battle going on around you and that the one thing that is guaranteed is that opposition comes. So there's a natural question there then. Okay, Rod, we get it opposition is coming, that there's a battle, we need to fight that. And in fact, you said that we can't control uh, the battle, we can't always control the opposition, we can only control our responses. So how are we to respond in opposition? The first way is this, we're to be people of prayer. Prayer is the first step. Now, I am an action-oriented person. I am a get-or-done guy. I see a problem. I want to solve it. I want to fix it. I want to get it done. There have been many times in my life that I have run towards a problem because I'm going to fix it and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to get the solution only to go, I didn't even pray before that. What I am talking about is this, is prayer is an action step. A lot of times we see prayer and we hear people say, I'll pray about it. And we start to say, prayer is something that's passive. But I'm not talking about a passive type of prayer. I'm talking about an action-oriented prayer. In fact, uh, Brian Candelo used this phrase and I love it. It's prayer is where the action is. This idea that prayer is where the action is. The first thing, if, if we see a problem and there's opposition and we want to fix it, the first thing has to be prayer. Here's what Nehemiah did as soon as opposition came to him. Then I prayed. Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heels or on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Prayer is the first step. We want to be a people of prayer when opposition comes, and opposition is coming. 
I had an elder who was a, a business owner, uh, one of those guys that was really influential in, in uh, the community that I was living in. Uh, he, he taught this to me so well because no matter what came his way, he's like, Rod, let's pray and then we'll move forward and do other things. But he was all about prayer first and it, it really soaked in uh, to my soul. But, but I still struggle with it like you do. I still struggle. Let me give you two great examples of that. Over the last uh, couple of weeks, I was in uh, the country of Ecuador with a construction team. Uh, many of you prayed for us when we were standing up here being commissioned. I ask that you would pray for flexibility because you get into a third world country building opportunity and you never know what you're gonna come up against. Uh, there was this one day that we had to pour this cement slab. And it was a large slab. It had to be uh, about four full uh, cement trucks worth of cement, which is pretty large. And so uh, we got up in the morning and had our breakfast and we're getting ready. And the guy brings the pump truck. And, and so he lays all the equipment out. And then he disappears for like 45 minutes. And I'm like, well, where's the cement coming. And then the cement showed up and the same guy got out of the truck. And I realized, okay, we're in a rural place. He owns all the equipment in town. So he's just going to keep shuffling us back and forth. And, and it's about lunchtime. We're about halfway through with this thing. And the truck breaks down. Now we are stuck because he's got to get in that truck and go back to refill it and bring it back and get it. And, and so we don't know what to do. And God says, Rod, I want you to pray for the truck. And I say, come on, really? It's a truck. Like, you can do mighty things, but this is a mechanical issue. Okay, okay, I'm going to pray. So I get our guys together, and we pray. I mean, we pray. Pray, God, would you fix the truck? Uh, Lord, would you just, you know, would you give guys discernment that need it? Would this be something that would, you know, you would glorify? We're trying to get this thing done. We want you to be glorified in our week-long construction project here. God, would you make this happen? 20 minutes later, a mechanic shows up. He realizes the truck wasn't put in neutral. So he throws it into neutral, <laughs> takes out a hammer. He bangs on a couple things and the truck starts up. <laughs> One of my guys says, Rod, God answered your prayers. And I said, no, the mechanic did. <laughs> and God said, what, you don't think I can do that stuff? <laughs> I get it. I just... There can sometimes be a piece of me that just thinks prayer is so passive, but prayer is active. I do believe that God answered our prayers. Second thing that happened was my computer started to crash and act up. So I was like, okay, I get it. God, we're going to pray for my computer. So we got together and we prayed, God, would you fix my computer. Sometimes spiritual attack comes in all different areas and we want to be all present and this is something we don't need and let's pray. And we fervently prayed that God would fix my computer. And when I got home, I had to take it to the Apple store and they fixed my computer. But the point is this, that we were stepping out in prayer, that we were being active as a people, not a passive prayer. We were being active when opposition came, we were in prayer. The second thing is this. Not only do we want to be in prayer, we want to be in preparation. Nehemiah says this. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed area. 
I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Prayer is an active part of what we do, but the second thing is we take the next indicated step. We start to move forward. We don't leave it at prayer. We pray and then we move forward. I love this. You may not know this, but many times you are the best answer that God has to your own prayers. Many times we will stand there and say, God, I pray that Salem would be a city at peace with God. God, I pray that people would know you all over the city. And God says, that is a beautiful prayer. Now go do it. I have prayed, God, would you let my neighbors come to know you? And then God knocks me upside the head and says, that's a beautiful prayer, Rod. Now go tell them about me. Somehow in our brain, when we pray, there can be this idea of, well, I asked, that was my part. Now God will respond and send somebody else to do that work. But many times, you are the answer to your own prayer. Now, I'm not saying you're God or you can answer all your prayers, but I'm saying there are many times that God puts something on your heart and we pray, God, would you do this, that, and the other? And then when you bring your head up, you're called to step and do it. Never forget that. Many times we want to be the people that are in action. Action by praying, praying very active prayers, and the next by taking a step of faith in doing what we just prayed for. When I came uh, to the faith, I was in a mobile church, so we were meeting in a high school, which, uh, and I'm, I told you, I kind of like to do things and projects, so they put me in charge of the setup crew. So I would, I would be the one that would get there at like 6 a.m. and start putting out chairs and set everything up, and then at the end of the day, we'd tear it down and put them in trailers and bring it home, and, and it was always hard to find guys to, to help out, so I went to a guy uh, uh, one day for like a Saturday afternoon and said, hey, you know, you would be a really good leader in this ministry. W would you come and join me in setup uh, and, and help me, you know, set up the church for people? And he said this, he said, Rod, I'm going to have to pray about that. And so I, I knew what that meant. That meant he wanted to say no, but he didn't want to tell me no. And so he just was going to say that. So I said, hey, that's awesome. If you would pray all night tonight, and then if you would come in the morning and you would be there at 6 a.m., I'll pray with you and we'll pray together as we set chairs up. <laughs> he showed up, which was great. I was like, I don't know how much you have to pray. God, can, can I really set this chair on top of this chair, on top of this chair? Is that... We want prayer to be an active step, but then the next thing has to be important, that we have to take the next indicated step. I think it is so important. As you're praying things today, God, I pray that the nation would be healed. We're in a divisive time. God, I pray that you would show your faith and, and then you put your head up and you quit posting divisive stuff on the internet or, you know, whatever it is. Like, sometimes we can be the answer to our prayers. I think that that's so important. Then this is a crucial one. And I, I'm preaching to me probably more to you in this process. The next one's patience. So we pray, we prepare, we start walking through what God's calling us to. And we need patience. 
Nehemiah said this. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people. The work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. Now what I love about that, so you get the picture, is uh, they're trying to rebuild all of the wall at one time and it's all very spread out and they're worried that people are going to attack them. So uh, they're all trained and they all have weapons that as soon as you hear the trumpeter or you know, sound, whatever this horn is, as soon as the horn blows, you're going to run to where the horn is and then that's where the fight will be. The scripture I love in there is it says this, the man with the trumpet was by my side. So what Nehemiah was saying is, nobody else gets to decide what's an emergency. I get to decide what's an emergency. If you are in the middle of opposition and you're walking through stuff and you're trying to be patient, everybody else is gonna have an agenda for what you should do. There's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna have panic and worry and everything's gonna be coming at you. And somehow through prayer and patience, you need to find a way to be patient and know that you are the one that sounds the alarm. I never had a better example of that than in 2012. I was in the country of Tunisia. And in 2012, there was this thing called the Arab Spring that rose up and a bunch of US embassies got burned. There was one in Benghazi and there was one in Tunisia that got burned all the same day. Um, and I landed there like two or three weeks after this had been burned. So it was a very, there was a lot of tension in the air in this country. There was army, people everywhere. And, and I was with three families from our denomination that were doing great work in Tunisia. One family who had been there and lived all throughout the Middle East, you know, for years and years and years, kind of this older seasoned couple. And then there were two brand new couples that were just doe-eyed and a little freaked out. And I remember I was sitting down to dinner and we were talking to them and I said, how come you haven't been more panicked? I mean, there's rioting, there's all this stuff going on. How are you maintaining your composure? And they said this, they said, well, Bob and Mary here, they said to not worry. They said, it's fine. We've seen this before. We've lived through this stuff. They said, if, if it gets bad enough, I'll tell you when it's time to go and then you'll grab your bag and we'll leave. And I just, it was just one of those examples for me that I thought, man, there is great leadership. Many times you're walking through life and you're walking through troubles, whether you're struggling in a marriage or in life situations or whatever it is, and everybody else wants to tell you what's an emergency and everybody else wants to define your situation. And many times you just have to say, the man with the trumpet is by my side. I will know when it's time to sound the alarm. But right now, I'm in this time of patience and I'm watching to see what God will do. So after we've prayed and we've started to walk through and we've had patience, the last one is so important and that's this, perseverance. We wanna be a church that perseveres. Nehemiah continues the story like this. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. That idea that, okay, so they're prepared, nobody's attacked them, but they're being vigilant and, and they're continuing to persevere through the times. Think about 
all the stories we love to tell, the movies we love to watch, what are the most inspiring ones? They're the ones that people persevere. When everybody told them to go home, when everybody told them to quit, when everybody told them that it would never happen, the ones that persevere. I, there are countless, I can tell you, whether it's the, the stories of the, the Michael Jordans of the world who got kicked off the high school basketball team because he wasn't good enough, or you know whatever it is, those are the stories that we remember. We're not really inspired by the person who just wins the lottery and everything's perfect and life is awesome and good for you, right? Because that's not my experience. We're inspired by those who continually to have perseverance, who stick through the tough times, who know that God is there and that many times I will say this, you may be in tough times and you may not be able to persevere, but Christ perseveres in you. And you're not even sure how you got there, but you're sticking through and you're sticking close to Jesus and you're just following right behind him. A few years ago, I had a couple come in for uh, some marriage counseling with me and they sat down and, and about five minutes into it, so they're sitting next to each other, I'm sitting across from a desk and I'm talking to them. About five minutes goes by and it feels like it's a really bad sitcom. They're not talking to each other, they're talking to me. They're doing the whole, hey Rod, would you tell her? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I know he said that, Rod, but would you tell him, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, and I just, all of a sudden it dawns on me, they haven't even looked at each other. And so I said, are you guys talking? No. I said, are you guys living in the same house? He said, well, it's a big house. We have four kids. I'm on the first floor. She's on the second floor. I said, when was the last time you guys have had a conversation Oh, about five months ago. Uh, you know, usually now when we communicate, we just text each other. You don't talk to each other? Nope, haven't talked in like five months. Okay, so I wanna pray for you, but how can I help you? And they were like, well, you really can't. I think we're just gonna get a divorce. Doesn't seem to be working out. So I, so I prayed for them. And I said, you need to see some professional counselors because you're way above my pay grade at this point. Let me put you in touch with some really great people. And, you know, they kept showing up at church, kept kind of hanging out. I, I'd see them every once in a while, kind of sitting in the back row. And, and I was at the gym uh, probably six, eight months after this. And I, you know, I ran into them and I'm like, dude, how are you doing? How, you know, I haven't heard lately. How are, how are things going? How... How are you and your wife? And he said, Rod, you won't believe it. We're actually speaking to one another. I said, that's a great step. He said, we've moved into the same bedroom. He goes, man, there are some tough days. Things aren't going well every day, but, but we're moving in the right direction. Our kids are getting better. Our marriage is getting stronger. And I was, I was floored because I thought, man, this thing's so far gone. Even Jesus can't fix this thing, right? Like, man, this is so far gone. And so I asked him, I said, well, what do you think was, you know, could you give me one or two, what's the one thing that you think has probably been the most significant piece in this journey? And he said, it's that we're both so stubborn we didn't want to give up. Neither of us wanted to move out of the house just to spite the other one. So he said, he literally said, we literally just have, have persevered. We've stuck to it and we've kept walking. And what I know is things are slowly getting better. I don't know what you're dealing with today. 
Like I said earlier, I don't know if you're struggling in a marriage or maybe it is a failed marriage that didn't work. Maybe it's kids, financial insecurity, finances, maybe extended family, emotional stuff. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know this, that we all face opposition. And many times we pray and we think, where is God in this? I don't know if God has heard me. Remember this, be a people of prayer. Be a people that not only prays but walks forward. Have patience and persevere. Knowing that God sees you, that God loves you and that he cares about you. And although your prayers may not be answered today and you may not see the the fruition of your prayers this side of heaven, that God loves you so much that even in the opposition, he walks with you through the shadow and the valley of death. He is there with you and he loves you. If you would bow your heads with me as we pray. Lord, thank you so much for a great example of what to do in opposition. Lord, I pray that we would just be a church that understands that there is a battle out there. God, and the more that we step into the light and the more that we step into God's will, the more opposition comes against us. Lord, would we be a people that would be able to persevere through the opposition? Lord, would we be a people that would pray together and love one another and walk together through all the opposition that the enemy has to throw at us? We love you so very much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you would stand and receive the benediction. I just want to bless you as you go from here. Uh, I want to bless you as a people who will remember that we are in a battle. Also, don't forget to pick up your tickets. If anybody is in this service and couldn't afford a ticket to go see the shack, feel free to stop by. We have some free tickets left that we would love to give you. We'd love to fill that theater. But take this as a blessing as you go from here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. I pray today that we would be a people that understands the battle and that we would be a people that would persevere. And I pray over each and every one of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a fabulous week. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.